Hello and welcome to another episode on Journey to Authenticity, a podcast helping you to become fully authentic on your journey to success. My name is Braden Belknap. I'm a human just like you striving to build a dream life while staying true to me. And it's my mission to help you achieve the highest level of authenticity possible all while we build your dream life. But what if we kept living with limits? What if we kept living and holding onto perspectives that no longer serve us or the world? How do we transform our ways? One of the many ways of doing this is making a choice. Sometimes making a choice is the simple answer and it's all we need to do. Sometimes it's a matter of accepting where we are and what has happened. And sometimes it's a matter of the fact, accepting the fact that it was our fault and apologizing for what has taken place. That is why we have our guest, Victor Freilaff, coming on today. As he has been coaching and consulting around the this topic for years, as he has experienced every drug you can think of by the age of nine years old. He's experienced homelessness and has even ch- tried to take his own life. This has allowed him to accomplish and serve himself in becoming the man he is to today and becoming the best version of himself every day. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Vic. I really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you. It's my honor to be here. And the fact that you made the choice and allowed me into your life and into your energy, I'm very grateful for that. Absolutely. So jumping in, I want to want to hear a little bit more about your story. I want to shine a light on your story for other people. Sure. Because you've been somebody that's really take took your beliefs, mm-hmm. took your belief system, and completely transformed your life. Oh, yeah. You sit and you're happy being you. And that's what this podcast is about is being happy, being ourselves, being the authentic us. Nobody else knows that better than you or me mm-hmm. or whoever's listening to this, right? Mm-hmm. So fill us in. What was your story like from the time you were born to growing up as a teenager? To start off the bat and to give people an understanding because it's it's complicated story. I'm a first-generation American. So my mother hailed from Iran, my father from Russia, biological parents. Tumultuous childhood. I was two different households from the very beginning. Very angry, culturally diverse people taking their crap out on me. I was always the messenger going between them, sharing the messages, getting the residual or the uh, the after effects or the reactions. And by the time I was nine years old, I had tried every drug, every alcohol, smoked, exposed to everything and anything you could imagine that was out there. And since then, until about the teenage years, I buried my biological father when I was 11, I think, homeless, experienced everything under the sun that you could imagine that's pretty negative. Then when I was 14, my relationship with my biological mother wasn't that great. Luckily, there was a family at church that took me in and adopted me. And they would try to make me have a healthier relationship with my bio mother, but it just wasn't there. All she did was use people. And she herself had a very difficult life. She had a lot of issues and things like that that she had never had the help or the support for to resolve. 14, 15 years old, self-medicating with drugs, alcohol, partying, distractions, girls, you name it, whatever it was. Because of all the shit that I went through in the past that I didn't want to deal with. I didn't know how to deal with because I didn't learn those skills. I mean, at eight years old, I was telling my mom to pay the bills and not buy stupid shit when an eight-year-old shouldn't be worried about paying the bills and the difference between paying the bills and and buying stupid shit. Absolutely not. 
it was an interesting childhood. And you know what? I when I share the full story with people and all the like nitty gritty details with them, they're like, oh, my God, how are you not dead or in prison? It's like, I don't know. God blessed me in ways that I can't even comprehend yet. I still don't comprehend to this day. Mixed with all that, growing up until about uh, 18, 19 was the conflict of faith. You go through all this shit in life. And you're like, why did God do this to me? Why did I have to experience all this? Why do I believe this? You know, your whole, your whole concept of life is very different. And I like to tell people that I've experienced more in my lifetime than most 80 year olds, because in some ways I have, I've seen more people dead. I've seen more people hurt, abused, sold, things like that in my first 18 years of life than most people would. And you tie all that in with not knowing who you are, but you know that you want to be somebody. You get all these different factors and influences telling you, you got to be like this. You got to be like this. You got to do this. My bio mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was 17, 18. I took care of her. I didn't want to take care of her, but I took care of her because, and this was the, one of the first moments for me that I stands out with clarity is it was the right thing to do for me. And I didn't comprehend it. I didn't understand it. I just had that feeling that said, you need to take care of her. As shitty as a human being as she's been, as much as she created the suffering that you experienced in life, as much as she was a cause for it, you need to take care of her. So I did. That was one of the more defining moments for me because I stopped listening to what everyone around me had been telling me to do. I have a half-sister, biologically. Her first thought was, fuck her. Go do your thing. Go live your life. Let her rot in hell. It's like, okay, that's, that's one perspective. Another perspective was, oh, you have to take care of her because she's your mother. And... You take care of mothers like, well, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. She's the root cause of a lot of my pain. So why would I take care of her? So different conflicts, different things. And you hear a lot of different people's opinions when you're going through some shit. Everyone's always got an opinion for you. Hey, you should do this. Or hey, have you thought about doing this? It's like, can I just think about what I want to do first and kind of figure out where I stand on something first before I listen to anybody? But we're not taught that. If you don't mind me asking, sure. did she ever apologize no. in the process? No. She never did. Do you feel like that would have helped you or do you feel like you didn't need that to heal? So it's an interesting question because if I had heard it from her directly, I wouldn't have believed her because I wouldn't have trusted her. She's not a person whose word I could have trusted. But going through my own healing process, I, was, I just had a conversation with her and I let her apologize. And I just had to hear her say, I'm sorry, I didn't know better. And for me, that was what I needed. You know, I did years and years of different therapies and things like that. But it was going back and utilizing something called timeline therapy. It's a form, it's a, a form of therapy that's utilized with NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. And timeline therapy allows you to go through events, remove the emotion from them, dissociate the emotion so that way there's the emotion's not feeding the event anymore. You can just let it go. And that was a very powerful moment for me is hearing her in that experience say, I'm sorry, I didn't know better. That's where I could let it go. But hearing her say it in person, face to face, not at all. I would not have believed her at all. I just said. It's understandable though. Yeah. And sometimes just accepting that truth is what allows us to move forward also. Oh yeah. You went through this childhood, which I would agree. You said, you've seen more than most people do in life. Mm -hmm. If somebody lives 120, you've probably seen more than them. Fill me in in the moment that you saw, I need to change my life. That's a good one. For me, I was at rock bottom. I hated who I was. I hated everything that I was doing. I felt conflicted 
in every single way. And you know those moments where like, you're not just tired, but you're, you're all caps tired and you don't see how things could get any worse or better because you're already at the lowest of the low. I'm at that point. I just don't know what's what. But I had this burning inside of me, this just me saying it will be different. It's going to be different. And I didn't know how. I didn't know how. How in the world is it going to get any different? I'm broke. I'm at my lowest of low. I'm a nobody. I've got all this trauma and shit that I've gone through. And I let it define me. And the pivotal moment for me was when I said, okay, I can either let this limit me moving forward in life, feeling the same way every day, hating myself, not wanting to look at myself in the mirror, or I can let it, and by letting it, meaning choose to let it empower me, which is why I talk about choice so much. Because we, we always have a choice. And for me, that moment was me learning that there is another choice. It's you can either be broken or you can be super broken. No, I was like, okay, I'd rather just be put back together piece by piece better. For me, it was a pivotal moment. I can't explain it because everyone has their different experiences with it you're, when you're at that low moment. But we're taught it's either A or B, red pill or blue pill, Neo. When really there's so many other different options and ways that you could look at something. You used a term earlier when we were talking, just talking about pivoting. You're looking at a picture, looking at it straight on. Pivoting is just turning the picture angle a little bit and seeing different things that are possible. Looking at it maybe upside down, maybe looking at it from the backside and seeing it through the picture. That's what pivoting is. And I learned in that moment the power to choose to pivot, to, to have a choice that I don't necessarily need to live this life for the rest of my life, that I can choose something better. I can have something better. I can become somebody better than the broken, shattered person of a human being that I saw myself as. I love that. I'm going to quote my quote right above do it. Because it's my favorite. If you're here, you might as well become who you're destined to be to do the things you're destined to do. Mm -hmm. And if we just simply become, naturally the achievements will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. So I want to take this to a whole nother level. Let's go. You, it, you saw your close family, friends pass away. Mm-hmm. Assume it's fair to say that some of that was suicide. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ask this question wrong, so I hope the intention comes okay. comes in the right way. What made you not commit suicide with everything you went through? I tried. I um, You can't see the scars anymore. But at some point in my life, I would take a lighter and just run it across my skin just to feel something other than the emotional pain that I was feeling. And in my stupid escapades of running away from my problems or trying to numb them, I took prescription pills. Prescription pills, and I'm from California, so plastic capital of the entire United States. Everyone's got pills. Everyone's parents has got pills. So you'd combine those with some diuretic pills and you'd have a really, really good effect where you just would stop feeling. Your heart would slow down completely. I get to a certain point where I would try, but there was something strongly inside me saying, don't, this isn't forever. 
And a song that I, I would listen to on repeat that came out years and years later, but it summed up how I felt throughout the majority of my life was by P.O.D., which is It Can't Rain Every Day. I might be butchering the title of the song. It don't rain every, every day or it can't rain every day. The lyrics that stood out to me were, it won't rain every day, it can't rain forever. And this was later on in life. This was when I was 18, 19 when it came out, I think. I heard, I was like, okay, if it's not going to rain every day, and I've tried all these different times to medicate and, and just run away and just end it. But that's something inside of me is telling me, don't. What if there's something better out there? How do I get it? How do I get there? And how do I go from here to here? That's beautiful. So I've never shared this openly, but I want to share it with you. And it may trigger some people, truthfully. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll actually help people deal with some of their traumas. But my personal perspective on suicide, because Eminem, mm -hmm. yourself, some of the greats, or just mm -hmm. even a day-to-day -day person that needs to be here, tries to commit suicide and mm -hmm. doesn't succeed. It's my personal belief, because I know there's a lot of religions out there that also look down on suicide. Mm -hmm. It's my personal belief that if somebody tries to commit suicide and succeeds, is it, it was simply just their time to go. Fair. And that the people that don't succeed, it's simply part of their story, and they're still meant to be here for a reason. Fair. So you certainly are here for a reason. I believe so too. Thank <clears throat> you. That's my personal perspective on suicide. I don't mean I don't meet much people that have that same perspective or same belief, but I I've know I've known quite a bit of people that have committed suicide as mm -hmm. well. My story is not the same as yours, not even close. But I started drugs when I was thirteen years old. Mm -hmm. And I transformed about three years later, thank goodness. But the first time I saw heroin was kids my age doing it when I was 14, 15 years mm -hmm. old. Thank goodness I never touched it. Because maybe I wouldn't have been as blessed as yourself to have gotten out of that. Thankfully, I'm here today as well, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, suicide, my personal belief is that it was simply their time to go if they succeeded. I respect it. So you had this pivotal moment. You saw that, you know, you could either be beautifully broken or just stay broken, mm -hmm. to say the least. What was your transformation like? Where where you were homeless? What did that transformation start to look like and evolve to where you were like, oh, I'm good now? So it was a lengthy process because and I, I'm gonna say this as a preface to anybody out there. Every single person has their own individual unique process. I can't say what worked for me will work for somebody else because it's my process. It's, it was intimate for me, it worked for me, for where I was at at that time. And that's how most therapies ought to be. That's how most healing should be, is helping the person in a custom way, which I have a huge issue with the whole therapy side of things of like modern medicine and all that crap. We won't go down that rabbit hole. Me and you both. <laughs> but it's, it's the whole, you need to have a custom experience for yourself. And so for me, my process was first acknowledging the fact that I wanted to have something different, to become somebody different. And then I've tried therapies. I've tried different therapies. I've tried different things. You know, I did the self-medication thing, teenage years. Didn't work. Different therapies didn't work. But sitting down and not fighting the parts of me that I labeled my demons, but becoming okay with them, understanding them, 
and in part loving them. Because those demons that I had, that I developed over time, were a part of me. They were my defenders, my protectors, my shield for the hard times that kept me sane enough to survive. But for the longest time, I resisted them. I fought them. I tried to get rid of them. But I didn't realize then that trying to get rid of them was trying to get rid of a part of me. And so it was literally like figuratively having a sit down with the ugly side of me that I didn't like saying, okay, I, I appreciate everything you did for me, but I don't need you right now. You can take a break. I understand why you were there. I understand why you're still here. You're trying to protect me. I had to become okay with all of it, which meant in turn, I had to learn to forgive everything that I'd gone through because it was limiting me instead of empowering me. The very things that protected me started becoming the chains that bound me, that kept me from transcending from where I was at to where I wanted to be. And then I had to start eating my own medicine. As a coach, as someone that I work, I work with anybody and everybody on self-development. I use different modalities. I earned, nobody knows this, so I hope that the governing bodies of whatever university. Um, I helped my biological mother earn her bachelor's degrees in child development and psychology. Those were her two foci, foci focuses, whatever you want to call them. I, I earned those because I translated for her, wrote her papers, did all her studies for her, her, re her research and all that. So by the time I was 18 years old, I already had two bachelor's degrees in somebody else's name, but I earned them because I went to class every day. I just start eating my own medicine. I had to start doing the things that I would tell people that I'm working with to do. Hey, let's work on this. So I got myself a coach and a mentor who took me from a base level to a higher level. And then he taught me everything that he knows that he's developed over the last 30 years that he utilizes on a higher level. He said, you had a base level, you had to eat your own medicine to become the person that you are happy with, that you love. And for me, that was my experience, is not only did I have to go through and become okay with all this, forgive, forget, love, but also I had to do the very thing that I tell other people to do. I ate my own medicine. I walked the walk and I talked the talk. And for me, it was transformational because once I did that, I could fully wipe the slate clean, say, I'm good, that I am the success story to my story. I'm the success. If, if at the end of the day, I achieve nothing else in this life, me, I'm the success that matters most because I turned it all around. I literally broke the generational bullshit, all the negative that I experienced. I literally flipped the script 180 degrees and I became the success story to my life. That's a win. That's how I know I'm good. It's because I can sit here and tell you that if that at the end of the day is all that I've achieved in this life, which it's not, it's not going to be all that I achieve in this life. That's a win because somewhere down the line, somebody will hear my story. And that's all I care about is the impact that it has, that it helps them, catalyzes them towards betterment and growth. And it's ultimately the one. Mm-hmm. Because Ed Milet, I'm mm -hmm. sure you know Ed Milet, he talks about the power of one more. Yep. To me, you really grasp that topic. You're like, 
one more, one more. And you just kept going and just kept going and mm -hmm. just kept going. And now you're here. Mm -hmm. And for that fact is that you are that one in your family. Mm -hmm. And because you're that one in your family, you are empowering so many other people to do the same. And that's to me, the cherry on top. Thank you. Absolutely. So with everything that you've gone through, and all the transformation you've gone through, all the forgiveness, mm -hmm. I assume, all the tears, the anger, the frustration, the happiness, probably every emotion in the book, obviously. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you still regret? I have to think about this one because I don't often operate in regret. Having gone through everything, the one thing that I say is that I owe people that were that had seen or experienced me at my worst, I owe them an apology face-to-face -face at some point in this life because I wasn't operating in the right way. And therefore, my actions or lack thereof, my words or the lack of them, hurt them. And so if I ever get the opportunity to reconnect with somebody from my past who saw me at my worst, I'm going to apologize to them. Not because I feel remorse or guilt, but because they deserved a better experience and they deserved a better me. And I hope to change their memory of me so that way it has a more positive impact on their life and on their trajectory. That's beautiful. I love that you said that. And I would love to connect with that sure. um, with my own story. And I feel like this can also possibly be to me because to talk to my transformation, I don't feel like I actually started to fully transform. I started to transform my life in order to be able to apologize because you have to accept your right. faults to apologize out loud. But one of the main things that I felt bad for that I had to apologize for was stealing money from my own brother mm -hmm. for drugs. Because I sought love so much that I wanted to be loved by my friends. Mm -hmm. So I went, took drugs from my brother's college fund money and bought drugs. Nice. And we had a good evening, right? Mm -hmm. Good, as in so-called, we're doing drugs and having a fun time. And I'm putting quotations yeah, out yeah. there for a reason. The audio people can't yeah. see that, so I just <laughs> specify that. <laughs> They're like, who is this guy? Why am I listening to him? <laughs> um, that's the one thing that I, because one of the main reasons, I felt bad for that. But what I felt bad for most is that my brother called me out on it. Mm-hmm. I, I, my thing was, well, you probably used it at McDonald's or something. And my, my brother, his name's Christian. Hmm. He's probably the most Christian person I know because he's so forgiving. He got reprimanded by my dad. Oh, shit. Because of me. Because he, my dad's perspective was you're blaming your brother for losing your money and you're telling him he's stealing, like, that's bullshit. So I respect my dad's perspective, but mm -hmm. I was the problem. Right. So years after that, I, I promised myself when I started to transform that I would pay my back brother back and apologize before I got married. Me and my wife, Megan, we, we met each other at 16. We started dating on October 8th and two years later. So October 8th, 2016, mm -hmm. we got married October 8th, 2018. Nice. Before we got married, I took him out to dinner, paid him back, and apologized. Still, he has the letter, the money, and I still have that letter. I'll send you the letter after Please this. do. Um, How does he feel about all that after you apologized? He was, we. I certainly had a good cry when I was telling him uh -huh. that. He was silent. 
But I, what I'll say to this is, I haven't spoken about this much detail, truthfully. I would say that this is on me. I didn't allow myself to get fully close to my brother for a long time, which makes me sad, still truthfully to this day sometimes, simply because I knew what I did to him was wrong. Mm -hmm. And in turn, I feel like that hurt our relationship for a while. But the moment I paid him back is the moment we started to get close. And that warms my soul. Good. That's fantastic to hear, man. But I've apologized to multiple people, Mm -hmm. whether it's through text or call or in person, it's the times that I see somebody that I know I did them wrong mm-hmm. that I apologize. I don't we don't need to be friends because I know I right. didn't I know I hurt them, but I want them to see that I changed and yeah. that's healing to ideally to them, but it's healing to me as well. Right. And if if you don't mind, please. We're all at the center of our own universes, right? Energetically speaking perspective-wise and all that. Our engagement with other people is like our universes and theirs overlapping, sometimes clashing, have a big bang, big explosion. Sometimes we have negative engagements with people and the after effects of the explosion that we have with them, because we, you know, our universes overlap and clash, it leaves them in a state of repair. So a simple apology sometimes is just for the sake of freeing the energy that's locked up in the recovery process that lets everything naturally come back to order. So I always talk to people. I was like, listen, I owe them an apology face-to-face because I'm not going to do it over a text message. It weakens the impact. It weakens the efficacy of it. Because I've had my fair share of negative influence because of my actions or lack thereof, because of my words or their lack. And if I can help somebody release that emotion that's still locked up, charging up that pain that they're feeling simply by apologizing, because at the end of the day, we're all human, we're all frail. You experience this as well. Like it changes dynamically the whole relationship. Something that was once paused in a stasis is now thriving and blossoming just by simply saying, I'm sorry. That's the power of a word. But look at the choice behind it, the choice to apologize. It's true power because you made the choice to take it from a state of stasis where it was locked up and frozen to letting it blossom, grow, and bloom. So props to you for doing that, man, because you've literally, you may not know this and your brother may not acknowledge it consciously, but for him, on an unconscious level, you've released him from that event in the past. You freed up that energy that was running on repeat because it was charging that same cycle. And you've allowed him to start blossoming and growing in ways that he probably doesn't even understand yet. Absolutely. I certainly recognize that. And hopefully he does, if not does in the future. Right. So I love that. And thank you for recognizing that. So going forward, I'm, I want to talk more about how these guys listening can mm-hmm start to transform their life. And there, there's a couple of, there's two main things, sorry, three main things that I recognize mm-hmm. because I actually want to pause for a minute before I even go even deeper. We as people all have stories. Mm-hmm. 
We have stories from the past, from the moment we were born or conceived truthfully, because we're all a ball of energy and mm -hmm. emotions to today. Yep. We can essentially look at our past and paint the picture of what our life looked like. We all have struggles. Mm -hmm. We all have hardship. And the truth of the matter is me, you, anybody listening to this, there's going to be heartache in your life in the future. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to experience some sense of death, yep. frustration, anxiety, depression. It's a choice whether we stick with it or whether we decide to be ourselves, mm -hmm. our authentic selves. Because the truth of the matter is when I say I'm Braden Bell now, nothing's stopping me. Mm -hmm. Nobody, not even myself. So when you know who you are, no matter what you go through, you're going to be okay. Oh, absolutely. So as far as where you're at, if you're struggling, if you're in a pit and somebody's ready to transform, I hear three main things from this conversation that can really set them free. One is obviously choice. You have to make a choice to pivot and start mm -hmm. to take the next step. Two, you have to accept your demons, the hardships. There's no getting rid of them. It's in your story. Mm -hmm. We need to accept them. And three, we need to apologize, whether that's to ourselves yep. or to other people. 100%. And that will set you free. Now, are you okay if I share a nugget with people a little? Please. And that's really where I was going. I, mine was more of a statement than a question, <laughs> but it was intended to be a question. Okay. Because I want to go dive deep into those three aspects, but I'd love to open up the conversation more Perfect. as well. So I'm going to give you three questions back Perfect. at you. Okay. First thing is, what do I negative? What's the negative thing that you're choosing, experiencing? Like, why do I drink so much every night? First question to ask yourself. And be real and raw with yourself. Go down to the core root of it. I drink because I'm lonely and I'm lonely because whatever reason, I can't connect with people. Okay. That's the core root of the problem right there is you don't know how to connect with people and therefore you're substituting, you're patching over, bandaging it by drinking, which causes the negative problem that you're experiencing. All choice. Okay. First question to ask. Second question. What do I want instead? That's the positive result or behavior. What do I want instead? Just have it be positive. I want to connect with people. Okay. How? Emotionally, physically, mentally, virtually, like how do you, how clear of it, of an image or a vision do you have of what you want that positive result to be? I want to connect with people in a social way and talk to them and not be afraid. Okay. So you want that positive result. Okay. Next question. What do I have to change right now? What do I have to do right now in order to achieve that? I don't know how to talk to people in a social setting. Okay. So then how do I train myself to do that? Google search. Toastmasters. Not a shout out to them, not a promotion of them. Just as an example, you could go learn how to talk in public from Toastmasters which would then solve your problem of not being able to connect with people, which then fuels by choice and decision, the drinking problem. So if you learn how to talk to somebody by going to a Toastmasters class and you start connecting with people in a social setting, 
then you're not drinking as heavily because you're not trying to fill a void anymore. So you ask yourself those three questions. What's the negative that I'm choosing to experience or that I'm currently experiencing, but I don't know why I'm experiencing it? What's the positive that I want instead? What do I have to change or do right now to achieve that? You break it down to those simple three questions. You can radically change your life in a whole way that you can't even comprehend. I taught this to a group of day traders, day traders, and you working what you do. I coached a group of day traders, two sessions, two sessions, focusing solely on that and focusing on implementing strategy. But the first session was the, those three questions because it dove down to the core root of their problems. These guys were maybe averaging a 40% success rate, maybe. And I'm talking a blend of retail, hedge, professional traders. That's pretty good, 40%. Yeah. I took them to over 80. That's amazing. 80%. And in your industry, and in your experience, that's not bad, right? That's not a bad return. You're, you're beating the market. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So one of the guys, just those three simple questions changed his whole strategy and implementation. And it was just on the professional side, not even on the personal side. Because he had a negative behavior that was impacting him in a way that he wanted to resolve it. So he asked himself those three questions. So here's his realization. I buy too quickly and I don't hold through the chop. And because of that, I cut early before I hit my target exit that I had already planned out. But because he entered in too early, he would experience the volatility of chop in the market, which would mentally wear on him. And because of that, he would exit his position early, be at a loss instead of being at a win or in profit, simply because his decision to enter too early started having a ripple effect on the execution of his strategy. He changed that around where he, he implemented a simple rule. Wherever he wants to enter, he waits five minutes. And that, that, that change alone changed his whole success rate because he realized he was jumping the gun too quick and it was affecting his profits. Day trading. <clears throat> Let's talk about another example for the listeners. Met a guy. He and I worked together briefly. He wanted to be able to talk to girls and to have a girlfriend. He, he wanted a, a meaningful relationship. So I had him focus on those three questions. What's the negative that I'm choosing? What do I want instead? What do I need to change right now? His whole dating premise was first, ask a girl out, go on a date, assume that she's into him or not. Second, he decided, okay, I'm going to slow it down. I'm going to be their friend first because my assumptions were causing the frustration that I was experiencing. So the, th the thing that he changed immediately was he stopped asking them on romantic dates. He just asked them on coffee dates. His second coffee date simply to connect with somebody is now somebody he's engaged to simply because he recognized the negative assumption that he had going into the dating scene or going on a date with somebody. He was trying to get that romantic fill. And so he would assume that after one or two dates, somebody would either be romantically interested or not. Sometimes you got to change the perspective simply by asking yourself the question of, what's the negative stupid thing that I'm doing right now that's hurting me? 
What do I, like, what do I want to, I don't want to hurt. Okay, so what do I got to stop doing? Hurting myself. Maybe I should not drink as much tonight. Maybe I should tone it back. Maybe I should drink some more water. Instead of drinking as much alcohol, maybe I should just drink some more water. Things like that. Three simple questions that will radically change your life in every single sphere of it, whether it's business, your relationships, your personal development, your spirituality, even your relationship with your dog. I guarantee you, you ask yourself those three questions, it's going to change your whole dynamic with the dog or with the cat, whatever your animal is. <clears throat> Not cats. Just kidding. Not cats. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I'll, are you, can I? No, speak? please, please, please. So I have a methodology that mm -hmm. I created called the growth, growth, grow methodology. Mm -hmm. G stands for grasp. R stands for realize. L stands for overcome. W stands for win. Nice. Follows the exact same framework. Mm -hmm. And anytime I coach, it's practically the exact same thing that I teach to. Right on. It is radically transformative. It is. It's it, all you need yeah. practically with anything. But there, there is an aspect that a lot of people miss out on. And I think this is an undervalued skill set and attribute to have. Patience. We all, because of, because of these stupid things that are wonderful to run your business and your life on. Because of those, we're so used to the constant feedback. True growth takes time because true change takes time. If you're changing behaviors, if you're changing a belief system. And a lot of people miss out on that. They're like, I expect immediate results. I expect to be a fucking millionaire by the end of... No, dude, be a hundred thousandaire before you think about becoming a millionaire. Or hey, maybe... Get to a point where you're running a quarter mile nonstop before you focus on the full marathon. Same thing with growth and anything that anything that's holding you back from achieving and being your true authentic self. Be patient and enjoy the process. And there's a reason I got this phrase tattooed. So Brandon Sanderson is a great author. I don't know if you've read, read any of his books. He's a sci-fi fantasy author based out here in Utah. And one of his books the series, there's a quote that I fell in love with, which is life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. Because of those things that we have strapped to our legs, giving us little micro doses of radiation every day, all day long, we lose sight of the picture, which is to enjoy the whole process and to be patient with it. True change Deep-rooted true change in anything you do takes time because you can't just rip out the tree root system in a day. You got to go through, make sure you're keeping the healthy branches, you're taking out the rotted branches, maybe sometimes removing the tree completely, but keeping it intact in the process while you transplant it somewhere else. So I got this quote tattooed on my arm because it's my reminder to focus on the here and the now while anticipating in a positive way the future. And so any sort of growth, any sort of change you want to experience takes time because you got to go through the motions of doing it every day, struggling with it every day. And it's a beautiful process, maybe not in the moment, but it's a beautiful process because you'll look back on it with pride and say, I did it. I fucking did it. I experienced it. I went through it. I survived it. I thrived it. And that's the win as well. Absolutely. I'm laughing a little bit because I feel like I'm just sitting right across this. <laughs> right you want to see something? Sure. 
Not the exact same. Okay. But I have a tattoo. Two nice. tattoos here. One, this stands for travel slash journey. Nice. The quote says, a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful quote. <laughs> and I don't know the exact name to this, but this is a Buddhism symbol, which essentially starts means that this is your destiny. As long as you just keep going, mm -hmm. no matter the tip, the curves, the mm -hmm. pitfalls, you'll achieve your destiny with who you want to become and what you want to achieve. As long as you just keep going. 100%. I've got another tattoo for you. Sorry for the audience. So you see this? Yeah. I love that. So that's an Enso. Okay. And on the inside are the yin and yang koi fish. The yin and yang were originally symbolized by koi fish. A black fish with a white spot, a white fish with a black spot. So the Enso represents the continuity of life. Life is ever constant, meaning it goes nonstop, no end. Beginning to end is really just the beginning of a new phase. The koi fish and the direction that they're flowing represents swimming against the tide when you need to with strength. Swimming with the tide, going with it when you need to, preserving wisdom. So I got those tattooed on me because it's my reminder to myself that, yes, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to swim against the current. You're going to have to swim upriver against everything to achieve what you want to achieve. But then at some point, you're going to be swimming with the current going downriver because everything is working out perfectly. Regardless, it's the continuity of it. Sometimes life is difficult. Right now is a very difficult time for people. But there are good days ahead. And it all starts with the person and the individual to simply choose to look at a different perspective of it. Life can be a real piece of shit. Life can also be a very beautiful story page by page being experienced by the author of it. And we're all authors of our own stories. We're all authors of the end result that will be our life. So how do you choose to write the story? Do you choose to go in the ways of like Edgar Allan Poe? Or do you choose to go in the ways of like Robert Frost? Poetry with two very different focuses and perspectives on life. What do you choose? How do you choose? Why do you choose? I love that. And that begs the next question is because as we're talking, like to me that like what we're talking about, this is very normal to mm -hmm. me. What you're saying is very normal to you. At this point, it's part of my identity. Mm -hmm. Nobody can steal it away from me. Somebody threw me in a prison for a year. Like they're not breaking me. Right. I'm Raiden Belknap. There's, you can't take that away from me. This begs the question that a lot of people are having a hard time right now. Personal opinion, mm -hmm. it's choice. Are you having a hard time? Oh, you're, you can't work a job? You can't go build a business? Can't, you can't? Oh, you're needing, you need to wait to figure out exactly what you want to start a business, do you? Oh, you're in a hard financial situation? I'm sorry that the, yeah, the market went up crazy amount in real estate. Mm -hmm. And it probably will next year and the next year. Are you going to keep complaining about it? Are you just going to hop on the bandwagon and do what you can to get in the house? Yep. Are you really hurting or are you 
making your hurt. Mm -hmm. Are you stabbing your knife in your own stomach right now? Is that why you're in pain? I love that because a lot of people are doing the pointing game. Well, what's sticking back out at you? Three fingers of your own. So if you were to look at it from that perspective, yeah, you could say this factor over here externally is making it difficult for me. Okay, but where did you decide? Because at some point it always comes back to you. And, and I've coached some clients, they absolutely hated me whenever I said this. What have you done to cause your problem? I've done nothing, it's everyone else's fault. No, it's not. Because you at some point made a choice that you're feeling the repercussions for right now. So what was the choice you made and why the hell did you make it? Because you don't like the pain that you're feeling right now. It's all coming back down to you. The common denominator is you. The common factor in everything that you're experiencing is you. If you want to dive in deep into this, people use science to, to, to justify it. Everything we experience externally is a reflection of what we are choosing internally. So if we have experienced conflict, drama, chaos, and pain, it's because internally we're choosing conflict, drama, chaos, and pain. Where are you feeling the chaos? Because it's your choice, whether it's your relationship with yourself or a belief that you have that's causing your pain. And it's, it's merely experienced in an external way. So what are you choosing because you really aren't enjoying the process of the pain. So what do you got to change? And it all comes back down to you. Absolutely. So this is, here's the question, right? Because we've talked about accepting today. Mm -hmm. We've talked about choices. We've talked that your pain's probably not as much as the pain of the world. It's yourself. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about apologizing. But all that really comes down to is perspective. Mm -hmm. How does somebody like... Let's just, I'm just going to use this as an example. Somebody sees this and they see an ass in their face. They're like, this sucks. How do they turn around and say, that's a sweet lion? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Like how, and I just wanted to create an analogy for people to really see that. How do people start to change their perspective? So I love this because at its core, and I'm going to go back to the traders that I was working with as an example. You marry your position, okay? In, in trading terms, for those that don't know, when you marry your position is you're going to be dead ass wrong, but you refuse to just accept the fact that you were wrong, that you could have been wrong. And these guys will marry their positions and write it down to the zero because they simply don't want to be flexible enough to first admit that maybe they don't have the right perspective or the right information to make the decision that they're making. And then they choose to be stubborn about it and experience pain when simply just acknowledging, okay, I was wrong and getting out of a position could help them not experience emotional turmoil and all that crap. So to learn how to look at things from a different perspective, you just have to let go of the fact that you don't have to be right 100% of the time. Maybe you're wrong while still being right. And what if, what if, and I'm, I'm using hands out here saying, what if you're both wrong and right at the same time? And you just got to look at it from different angles. 
the more locked in you get into your perspective that your point of view is the right way and that nobody else's is comprehensible, the more you fuck yourself over. And I say that as bluntly as I could because that's how severe it is. If you lock yourself, you burrow yourself into a little hole and you say, this is my hole, this is my stance on the hill, I'm going to ride or die by this. Cool, that's great, you're going to die. Because you don't have the flexibility to adapt and adjust, even acknowledge that maybe even while being right, you're still wrong. And it just takes you being willing to look at a different person's perspective or hear what they're saying, not just listening, but hearing what they're saying and seeing it from their eyes. It's like, oh, give you another example. The Brits like to say fuck off a lot. And that's like, oh, go screw yourself. Or like, that's, that's unbelievable. Fuck off is unbelievable to them. Absolutely. In their language, in their context of culture, fuck off is like unbelievable. In our, in our culture, fuck off is telling somebody, you better leave right now. Otherwise, I'm going to mess your shit up. Perspective. It is perspective. I love that you sit. I just have soccer background. So oh, okay. yeah, yeah. British people always were like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Oh my God. The Swedes were the worst. I, I played against the Swedes. No offense to them. But I just had a bad experience with the player. <laughs> but it, it's, it's the perspective. Do you choose to dial in on the one and just stay locked into that? Or can you be flexible enough to just look at every, like look at the broader picture? Because the more dialed in we get, we get shutter eyes. We're only dialed into our one perspective that we're looking at. Here's another great example. I love using examples from movies and things like that because it helps to illustrate the idea. You remember uh, National Treasure with, what's the actor's name? Oh, God. I know who you're talking about. I love the Nicolas movie. Cage. Yeah, Nicolas Cage. Yes, he's awesome. Amazing actor. His best movie, I think. Well, Gone in 60 Seconds and that, best movies. He's looking at the Ben Franklin glasses on the back of the... Declaration of Independence. These glasses have these different colored lenses. And by toggling them in variety, basically in different ways, he's seeing different images on the Declaration of Independence. But sometimes to see one message, he'd have to combine colors together. And other times he'd just have to like have one color. Life's the same way. We practice having a variety of perspectives by toggling different lenses. And one of the first ways to do that is you have to completely disregard your your current perspective and play devil's advocate to it. Look at it differently. So I'm looking at you and I see a good looking guy in a flannel shirt. If you're looking at me, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I could see a guy in a sweater. Cool. Good looking guy in a sweater. See, there you go. <laughs> now, if we were to look at your wife's perspective, she's going to see two guys with headphones on their head, hats on, and they're both wearing red. See different perspectives, but... If we were to simply focus on one or the other, we miss out on the whole broader picture. So we got to be flexible enough to first say, okay, not mm -hmm. focusing on me, let's focus on you. And then let's focus on that. Let's look at it from this perspective. And that's how you develop the flexibility to be able to not see the ass, but the beautiful line in front of you. I love that. I'm going to shine a light on the most successful people because you just pointed it out. Mm -hmm. If we're looking at from a business standpoint because money analytics it's more comprehensible it's physical it's mm -hmm. tangible than just a feeling what do the most successful companies do ever in the world they uh, just sit i mean let's look at blockbuster mm -hmm. 
or Redbox. Where's Redbox? I haven't seen one of those forever. Yeah, they died out. Oh, they're blue now, by the way. Oh, they're blue. I think they got bought out by Walmart because I've seen them only in Walmarts, actually. Okay, interesting. That, that's interesting. I didn't know that. The point is, I mean, why did they probably get bought out? Did they succeed? I mean, obviously, that's perspective in itself. Right. But where's Netflix? <laughs> Was Disney so stringent that they only were going to sell to the Megaplex theaters? Mm-hmm. I mean, all I got to do is this is not an ad or anything, but Disney Plus, you know, you know the Santa Claus? Yeah, the, uh, the one with Tim Allen, right? Is it Tim Allen? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. They just released episodes to continue th- that movie, what? but it's episodes and you have to have Disney plus in order to see it. It's really good by the way. Fair. But isn't Disney plus also in the major negative because people are abandoning them after their bullshit on advertising on X. Yeah, we, that's a whole I, different thing. I, I agree a hundred percent with you and they've lost a ton of money overall about their, Oh Yeah. Well, what I would consider liberal beliefs and standpoints, but I'm not advertising Disney well, for that reason. That, that's fair. That's <laughs> fair. But looking at, at Disney Plus versus Netflix, you used to have Disney movies on Netflix and they'd be on a rotation. Now you don't have any Disney movies on Netflix except those that were grandfathered in for a certain time period. Sure. Netflix has continued to grow. We've seen their stock rise in valuation. Disney's hasn't. It's actually gone downhill. So was it a wise move on Disney's part to pull all their material off of Netflix? I think this could be, I think there's a lot. Right. In this self, there's a lot of perspectives. Right. But what I would say is the right-sided-minded people thinking. I think everybody understands that context. Mm -hmm. Netflix hasn't done anything stupid. Yeah. To put it, Disney has repeatedly mm-hmm. in the last two years made absurd decisions, mm-hmm. in my opinion, that are just annoying. Yeah. It's like, why are you doing this? So I think to that question, I think that has a lot to do with it, but I think that they've just made poor company decisions as well. Fair. So let's tie it back down to what we were talking about earlier, which was perspective. Let's look at Netflix and Disney. Let's use them as examples. Netflix's stance has been, we're not getting involved in this shit. We're just going to keep doing what we do, which is streaming movies, mobile games, if you have Netflix on your phone, and focusing on that. They're a success. You look at Disney and they're like, we're going to get involved in politics because whatever reason. We're going to make the choices we make because of whatever influential reasons. We want to take a stance on the cultural, social platforms. Cool. They're not experiencing as much success as Netflix is. And Disney's been around for, God, how many years now? 90, 100, 110, something like that? Something insane, yeah. Netflix has been around for 15 years. I remember when Netflix came out with the like rent-a-game discs that you would get for your Xbox 360 and your PlayStation 2 or 3. That's when they first started really getting circulation. You just aged yourself. Just I kidding. really did. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I'm... 10 years younger. <laughs> I mean, yes. So you look at Netflix, they're the young buck that's on the scene. They've simply chosen the perspective of let's make money. And the way we make money 
is we focus on the way we make money, which is more movies, more shows, mobile games. That's it. Also data, but that's a whole different topic. Disney's perspective has been, we're going to get involved in this shit. They are the old buck. They're the weathered company that's been around for ages. And yet they're not performing as well as they could be. Look at Twitter versus X. Twitter under Jack Dorsey. Great social platform with a lot of issues for the right-sided folks. A lot of censorship. Not as much profitability. The price per share was like 50 bucks at its peak. Under Elon, you've got a whole lot of free speech there. You got a lot of people who've left Twitter on the corporate side of things because they don't like it, it's not functional, whatever. The valuation of Twitter has improved under Elon. So if you look at the age of those same company, but two versions of it, pre-Elon, post-Elon, Twitter's valuation is quadrupled, I think, just as at a high level because they're literally doing what they're supposed to do, which is be a free speech platform. Pre-Elon, they're censoring the shit out of you. They're hurting your capability of expressing yourself, not even focusing on what's political, your expression of self. That was the biggest com complaint that people had. Their success was here, pre-Elon. We'll say that that company was 10, 12 years old, right? Elon's had it for two years. Their success is up here. It's all about the perspective you take and what you choose to focus on. Because what you focus on is what you create. So are you going to focus on the negative shit in your life? Because you're going you're gonna to see more negative shit and recognize it and create it. Or are you going to focus on the positive shit? You're going to experience more positive shit and you're going to create more positive shit. Absolutely. And I love that perspective. And the one thing that came to mind with that was it's simply choices. Mm -hmm. Comes back. It, this is always coming back to choices. Yep. And the simple question comes down to is, are you guys willing to make choices mm -hmm. to better your life? Yep. Are you open to hearing other people's feedback of yourself with how you can improve? Or are you going to be stuck in your ways and say, I'm right. This is the right way of living. Your way is wrong and never grow. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I forget who says it, but they say the, he, he's a huge health. He's a, I want to say it's 10X Health Systems. Who's the owner of 10X Health Systems? Oh, it's Gary Brecka, isn't it? Yeah, that guy. He says, shoot. He says the, the fast, like if you're only looking for comfort, the faster you're going to die. I forget exactly how he says it. He oh, says it way, yeah. way better than me, obviously. I, I know. I, I, I remember hearing something along those lines. But the truth is, if we stay single-minded, mm -hmm. narrow-focused. We only see life through our lens and nobody else's. You truly are killing yourself. Oh, yeah. And you will die quicker. Mm -hmm. Preach it, man. I, um, I get asked this question a lot. Are other countries better? I, I traveled a lot for work when I was doing my corporate thing. Are other countries better than America? And I tell people... I have a greater appreciation for everything that I have here in America because I've traveled so much. Because I've learned, changed my perspectives, experienced other people's lives and realize how 
amazing our opportunity is here for us because of our perspectives, what we focus on culturally, socially, things like that. So whenever somebody asks me, hey, America sucks. Where should I go? It's like, no, America doesn't suck. That's your perspective right now. Go live in another country. Go get guns pulled on you and shot at. Go get stabbed. Go get robbed. Go get beer spat in your face. Go fight like some homeless dude who's high on whatever drugs are going through his system right now because he thinks you're some sort of psycho robot, whatever. Go experience things and then come back and tell me how bad it is here. Because what you're focusing on, what your perspective is right now, is you're only focusing on the negative. You're choosing to look at it from a narrow-minded perspective. America sucks. Cool. Go experience other countries. Come back. Maybe your perspective is going to be different. But don't choose to stay stagnant because you're not staying stagnant. And to your point, and this is what I was getting at, to stay dialed in on your one perspective, it's like you're on a ladder. You're either moving upwards or downwards. And if you're choosing to stay stubborn at your one point of view, uh, you're not going upwards. So you're going downwards and you're killing yourself off even faster because you're simply choosing to not look at things differently. Absolutely. So last question, then we'll wrap some yeah. this up. How does somebody be open to changing their perspective? Because there's a lot of people that are, I have a feeling there's a lot of people listening to this. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, well, I feel like I'm living a really good life. And some of them are going to think, well, am I? Like, is there any negative? The people that are hyper aware, right? Right. But there's going to be some people that are going to be like, my life's perfect. What's your message to both of them around perspective? I like this one. I appreciate you asking it. I would tell them, go and do something that you completely wouldn't do in your circumstances. So for example, if you've got 50 bucks in your bank account, you're struggling. Go to the Bentley dealership, smell the car, look at it, and ask yourself, not if, but when I get this, how am I going to celebrate? If your life is perfect, go take a walk downtown. Go take a walk downtown. See what other people lack. See what emotions you feel stirred up within you, whether it's the righteous indignation, whether it's a desire to help, to feed the community, whatever it is, and go act upon that. Because as perfect as life may be, there are different ways that you can look at it to make it sweeter, more fulfilling. You might have all the money in the world. You might have every single car, every single whatever you want. But can you live or go to bed at night with the peace of mind of, I made a positive today? Because I guarantee you, if you were to walk downtown of any city, well, use San Francisco, for instance, you could have all the money in the world. But what good does that money do to your conscious, to your spirit within you? When you see the homeless guy on the street covered in dirt, using a hotel towel that he found as a blanket at 50 degrees at night, you're not going to be okay with that. 
because something deep inside of you will stir and tell you, this isn't right, that that person needs something. If you're in between, you're comfortable. Yeah, there's room for growth. Yeah, you've come from places. Remember and imagine not only where you came from, but where you're going and the impact that you're going to have on the masses and let that drive you to further greatness. Because yes, you've come from nothing into something. But ultimately, the question I would ask you is this. Are you living up to the full potential that fires within you the drive? That's the combustion engine for why you've worked so damn hard to get to where you're at. And if not, what do you got to do? They are one step closer, one day closer to fulfilling that. Because everybody inside of every single person has that little seed, that voice inside of them that says, I'm destined for greatness. There's more that I can do. But do you choose to do it or not? And at what point do you choose to just do it? What needs to change? Well said. Couldn't have said it better. And I'm gonna get in that with your tattoo quote: uh, "The journey before the destination." Right. I believe is what it said. Are you at your destination? That's a great question. No. Because my destination, and I think we all have different different goals in mind. I'm very impact driven. I want to make it to the point where I can go into a city, pick 10 random families, pay off all their debts, their mortgages, everything. Wipe the slate, all the negative shit that they're experiencing, wipe the slate clean. Hire them, empower them, educate them. In any city and every city that I go to, whenever, however, wherever. That's the destination, the vision that I have. And in the process, it's to impact the 10 million people that I'm going to touch personally. So now I am in the journey full on and I'm loving every step of it. And there are good days and there are fucking bad days. Absolutely. Like <laughs> I, I had an amazing day yesterday. I had an okay day today. I day trade a little bit. Oh my God, I got destroyed today. But do I let it dissuade me from continuing on and doing my day trading? Not at all because I love it. I've learned to love the discomfort of the process. Sometimes that gets your stomach turning though. You're like, oh. dude, I lost 4,000 today doing futures. I ate a bunch of shit. <laughs> I, I was doing a prop account and, and I know I'm, I'm distracting folks, but I was doing a prop account and something that I forgot about to factor in was potential profit loss on this evaluation account. And I was pretty profitable. I was, I was up 3K and then the market reversed and I wasn't monitoring it. I was like, huh, cool. I'm down 4K because it popped up before I exited. This is great. <laughs> I could have gotten mad. Sure. But I love the process because it's another lesson. And like you had said earlier, there's no failure. You're learning a lesson or... You're winning. Exactly. And <laughs> you win big as much as possible though, right? Right. right. <laughs> But here, here's the nugget too, that a lot of people miss out on. The learning is also the win. 
because you learned what didn't work. You learned how to do it better. You learned something new. That's winning. So if you get up and you learn one thing new today, that's fucking winning. Absolutely. And to the audience here, I encourage you all to also ask yourself that question. Are you at your destination? If you're the person thinking, oh, my life's good, there's nothing I need to change. Are you at your destination? Right. If you're somebody thinking, my life sucks, are you at your destination? If you're somebody that is living a comfortable life but knows there's improvement, are you at your destination? And if you're not and you know that, paint a picture. Just get an idea of what Mm -hmm. that destination looks like. Like yourself, your destination does not need to look like Vic's. It's true. Or mine. True. His impact is a beautiful impact, and you're certainly going to get there. It's a when, not if. Right. Everybody's that's listening, your destination is a when, not an if, as long as you so choose today. Yep. Now, I could talk with you for hours. Dude, Vic. I love you this. Really, you really are a beautiful person. So thank, thank you so much again. I'm just reflecting back out there, man, what you're putting out there. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. I appreciate that. Now- You've made a beautiful impact. I'm excited to see this vision come to life, this destination of yours. Now to that point, what can I do and what can the audience do to support you? Just share positivity. And I I say that vaguely because we're in a very interesting time of life where there's a lot of negativity that people are experiencing. You don't know the impact that you have in some people's lives until years and years later. Simply by being, choosing to be your positive, most authentic self. You never know the light that you shine in someone's darkness that empowers them to start shining their light. So shine your light, put positivity out there. Sometimes I post stuff on my social media, people are welcome to follow it. I don't remember my name. I'm really not social media savvy. We'll be dropping a point for you. Appreciate that. Just add positivity into the world. Shine your light. I had a text message from this girl that I dated years and years ago. Random text message. Hey, I was thinking of you. I just wanted to tell you, you saved me and you saved my life. Thank you. I wouldn't be here without you. I didn't do anything but be a positive light and a safe place for her to go to. That's all I was. She was going through some stuff. I just was positive. I get this text message. I start bawling, tearing up. My coach sees, he's like, what's going on, dude? And like, I share with him. He's like, that's beautiful. That's what the world needs. Amidst all the negativity that we see, and there's a lot of it, we are the positivity. It starts with us choosing to share that, to shine our proverbial light and add more positive into the world. That's my that's my one request. That's my one ask is just choose to shine your light and be positive. Add positivity. I love that. Thank you so much. And two rapid fire questions. Sure. One, what's your definition of an authentic life? If you can live your life as aligned with who you are, what you want to do, how you want to be. That's an authentic life. Love it. Second question, and you may have already said this in the podcast, 
just op opening up the floor, what's, what's your message for the audience if you had one last thing to share? I would say this. You are far greater than what you think you are. And it is your responsibility to recognize that and pursue it until you finally fully are capable of recognizing your greatness and enjoy the process because you're worth it. I love it. Thank you so much, Vic, for coming on. Thank and you I hope me. you all have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you again for listening to the Journey to Authenticity show. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review. It really helps me to get better guests that is going to make the most interesting and transformational show. Have a wonderful rest of your day, you guys.